Hello, this is Martin Patella with Life Enthusiast Podcast. And today I have with me Phil Thomas. He is the founder of Iodine Source. And interestingly, Phil has gotten into this business probably thanks to his studies of Edgar Casey. Is that so, Phil? Oh yeah, that's right. Well, maybe maybe we should introduce the importance of Ed Casey to the world. Why should people even care that Ed Casey ever lived? Uh, Edgar Casey was a, a sensitive, and during the course of his lifetime, he gave uh, readings for people primarily that had health-related issues and questions, uh, health slash illness questions, and. Um, He's known as the father of holistic medicine because, uh, you know, when he was given the readings back, uh, you know, 100 years ago, he started and uh, they lasted for about uh, 25 years. The body of information that he gave was recorded. And then um, today it makes up the largest uh, uh, information bank of uh, psychically derived uh, information on the planet he's the guy who really started the holistic movement okay so and, when you're uh, saying when you're saying scientifically derived i mean he himself was just hearing it from the ethers right like he was in a trance when he was transmitting information he would put himself into a, he'd lay down on a couch and loosen up his clothes his tie or whatever and uh put himself into a uh, self-induced trance and then someone would be there usually his secretary uh, asking him questions most of the time they were questions that were written down on a piece of paper that somebody had sent to them you know as a letter in the mail and um, Casey would need to be able to locate that person at that particular time um, and know where they were, locate them. And then, uh, you know, he would go ahead, proceed to uh, make suggestions about the condition of the body and, uh, uh, you know, where the imbalances were and then make suggestions for how to go about correcting it. So uh, during the course of his lifetime, there are uh, over 14,000 documented readings. Each of them is a, a double space, maybe three pages long. And, um, like I said, it's the it's the largest body of psychically derived information on the planet. And uh, have you read the stuff? Uh, well, I spent ten years in Virginia Beach, where the Association for Research and Enlightenment is located, and that's where the library is. And uh, they also have like a, you know a, a place where they originally Edgar's idea was to have a hospital there. So there's a, there's a building there, which, uh, you know, a rambling structure that's near the beach. And the idea was that Edgar was going to give readings. People would come there. They would spend time there, learn how to utilize the suggestions and the readings and the various different aspects that were suggested. And then when they went home, they could, you know, take the, the equipment or the tonics or, you know, whatever information was given and then proceed with, you know, continuing with, uh, you know, the, the recovery process. So what type of suggestions would he have for people? 
uh, uh, most of the time he was talking about uh, uh, spinal manipulations. He was talking about colonics. He uh, often referred to uh, massage, body massage. And then there were diet corrections, which were integral to uh, the process and as well as uh, tonics that he recommended. And um, it was a combination of different things that uh, synced up together that would get the, uh, uh, the results that people were looking for. So when, so, you, when you speak of the tonics uh, at, at iodine research, you have been marketing some of these uh, preparations to the wide public, right? There were approximately a hundred different uh, herbal extracts that Casey talked about. And actually they're on my website. I have the whole list and, you know, uh, if people want to take a look at it. And out of those hundred, there were probably 20 that he used on a regular basis in combination, usually combinations, one with the other. And, you know, a tonic might have you know, uh, four or five, uh, you know, different extracts. And sometimes there were other things in there uh, because a tonic isn't limited to just herbal extracts. And um, these were unique to Casey and he knew how to put these things together to you know, get the, you know, the uh, desired results because, uh, you know, each case is different. Each individual is going to need uh, um, suggestions that were, uh, you know, going to address that specific problem that they had. So, I mean, you know, it covered a lot of ground, but like I say, uh, really a couple of dozen different extracts as far as the tonics go um, were used most of the time. And, you know, that's what I stick with because you know, when you start to get uh, too spread out, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to know what's doing what. Well, plus you don't have access to Casey. You can't individualize it or can't access. <laughs> you know, yeah, your best, your best uh, guess really is what you're working with most of the time. Right. So there were tonics that, uh, you know, he recommended many times, but, you know, he would individualize them for that person even though they were basically the same tonic, you know, you'd have different, uh, sometimes different components or, or uh, you know, uh, different uh, amounts of the extracts in each other. The proportions would change, yeah? Uh, you know, like a massage oil, for instance, he talks a lot about it, but, you know, uh, you know, out of a couple hundred different times where, you know, he talked about specific components and a, in, in the basic massage, each one was was different. So um, you have to gain sort of an appreciation for where he's coming from, and then try and uh, you know step back and look at it, you know, from uh, from above rather than uh, micromanage it, because um, there's a lot of information in fourteen thousand documented readings and. Uh, you know, it's it's really impossible to know, like you say, uh, you know, for each individual, what's going to be applicable. Right. But what, what was interesting to me is that there was a through line for several really important products or, or tools that he had. And uh, 
I know that in our relations, we have we have focused on three of them, and I'd like to actually highlight each one of them. And one of the most revolutionary in my my mind was his uh, iodine preparation. People don't really understand the you know what iodine is because there's been so much misinformation about it. I started uh, experimenting with this uh, about 20 years ago, which was at, you know af basically after I left the beach. And um, Casey calls it uh, atomidine, which is uh, short for atomic iodine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the name sometimes, uh, you know, people have a, uh, you know, a visceral reaction to a name or a word or something. So I just call it detoxified iodine because what Casey's uh, suggestion was, was to, um, take a vial of the uh, uh, iodine, which is a, a crystal element, and it's reduced in alcohol. And uh, you take a vial of that and you suspend it in a, a wet bath, which has a mild acid solution. And there's poles on either side of the vial, right, down into the bath. Mm -hmm. And then you run electricity through the poles. Mm -hmm. And it generates a, an intense magnetic field around that vial the electricity doesn't actually penetrate the glass but the the magnetic field then uh you know uh what it does is it it, it drops an ion yeah. and then <clears throat> from that point um uh, the body can actually uh assimilate mm -hmm. uh, the iodine in in what i call the detoxified form or the atomic form and, uh, you know, so iodine in its raw form is actually a halogen or a poison. So, so even is it quite, you need it, you know, you can't uh, take, you got to be careful with it. So is it quite stable after it's been treated? Yeah, yeah. Once it's uh, electrified, it's it just stays in that state. Okay. Now, is that similar or same as what people call nascent iodine? Uh, nascent iodine was actually uh, somebody that I trained early on, and um, they built a pretty substantial uh, following. And uh, after uh, Fukushima happened, they got so much um, interest that they decided that they needed to make it faster and cheaper. So what they did was they ended up using magnets on, you know, on the outside of the uh, uh, you know, the iodine jugs, uh, as opposed to actually using electricity, which Casey never recommended. And of course, you know, magnets aren't going to actually, uh, you know, induce a iodine element atom to uh, drop an ion. So, uh, have you, have you had a chance to compare the results in, in any way or? Uh, no, it's impossible because, you know, there, there's no, there's never been any uh, studies on any of this stuff. It's well, I see. I see all kinds of marketers coming up with uh, different names. There's detoxidine or the mark on the market, which is another play on the words, right? Right. And we have we have gone with our label. In fact, I have it right here over my shoulder. We have, we have come up with calling it thyrodine, which. Um, I mean, it's this is Phil's product in our bottle with our label, 
That's the best name anybody's came up with so far. Well, see how clever I am, huh? <laughs> it really is. Because, okay. you know, the, uh, the thyroid's here, right? Yeah. Right at the center of the whole glandular process. And the glands control the chemistry of the body, right? Yeah. So in Casey's inimitable uh, wisdom, he said, well, let's get to the center of the process, try and balance that. And then from there, then the rest of the glandular system will be able and will have the opportunity to balance. But until you get the thyroids up and running, uh, the rest of the glandular system is never going to be stable. So the problem goes back to iodine is the only thing that can stimulate and protect the thyroids. And the thyroids are hypersensitive to radiation. So as we're sitting here in front of our computers and lights and stuff, you know, we're getting uh, small amounts of radiation. Now, the rest of the body can handle pretty substantial amounts of radiation. And over the course of the last, let's say, 30 years, the amount of radiation in the environment has increased substantially because, you know, we're all, you know, utilizing technology and it all gives off a small amount of radiation. So what happened actually during the last 30 years was everybody's thyroid started to sag or go down. And because the thyroids are so sensitive, um, you know, when you're, you're getting a steady, even a tiny dose of radiation on a daily basis, the thyroids never get a chance to get back up and running again. Mm. So you, you figure that um, just as, as the technology, especially the Wi-Fi and computers and all the radiation business is increasing, that we're going to see more and more of thyroid dysfunction then, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're following a trend that really, uh, you know, there was a lot of thyroid dysfunction before the advent of the cell phone and, the, you know, the desktop computer. But, um, you know, now that we have that stuff, it's epidemic. Everybody's got pretty much everybody has low thyroid. Yeah, well, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's interesting, is of course, there, there are some genetics involved, right? Interestingly, that you can breed for hypothyroidism by starvation. Because if you put a famine or if you run through a famine, the hypothyroid people are more likely to survive because they can live on less food because their baseline metabolism is super low. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. My mom went through the concentration camp experience mm. and survived, whereas yeah. most everyone else from her family did not. Yeah. So, of course, I get the genetics of hypothyroid mom. So I'm passing it on to my kids, right? Yeah, it is. It's interesting. You know, it's a whole nother component to look at, uh, you know, uh, the physiological component, uh, yeah. you know, how the body adapts to a given situation. Yes. Well, that certainly I, I talk to a lot of people who suffer greatly with, of course, the thyroid being the main regulator. But I think iodine is involved in many other functions in the body. I see it involved in the uh, mucosal barrier resilience and immune uh, function and not, not just the energy availability or thermal yeah, regulation, yeah, but, any uh, other things, right? 
Well, the thyroid actually mm -hmm. has several different functions. Mm -hmm. One of the primary ones that it is that it has actually is the autoimmune response. It's directly connected to it. Mm -hmm. And when the thyroids are down, so is the response that the immune system has. So when you kick that, the thyroids back up, then the body has an opportunity to do what it's supposed to do. Now, if you're struggling with a lot of other imbalances, uh, the immune system might not be able to deal with, let's say, a virus that's, you know, uh, attacking the body because, you know, the, the body's already compromised by, let's say, obesity or, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, imbalance or distress on the body. Right. If the body, you know, you look at Biden, you know, he's back up after a couple of days of being down with the virus. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, he's had, it, it shows me that he's actually pretty healthy and, you know, he's not a, you know, it's for his age, if he wasn't healthy, he might've, you know, he might've been compromised, but. Um, All right. In, in general, how do you, reconcile the dosing, the information from the uh, RDA tables and, and RDA mm -hmm. being 150 micrograms, which equals yeah. the content of single drop of this iodine. How do yeah. we reconcile it with what people actually need to function? Well, uh, you know, once the iodine is uh, detoxified, then it's no longer a poison to the body. It's still a powerful element. Iodine is a very powerful element. And, you know, if you take too much of anything, you know, it's going to have a detrimental effect. You know, everything is about balance. So how much do you need as opposed to how much somebody else needs? You know, you've got to figure that out for yourself. There's no doctor or medium or anybody else that's going to be able to tell you that. You have to understand that you have to make decisions about, you know, your own body and your own health and well-being. It's when. Well, do you have some uh, general guidance or guideline? Like, what was what was Casey recommending to people? Well, what I used to tell people was start on a Monday with a single drop and a and a little bit of water. Increase it one drop each morning until Friday. You're up to five drops and leave it off for the weekend. So what you were doing is you're you're gradually uh, uh, priming the thyroids up during the course of the week. And then as they get going, then you want to put the responsibility of back on the body and say, okay, I'm not going to create another codependency here. What I'm going to do is assist the body and get to the point where it can take care of itself. And here's the really interesting point. The thyroids are the will center. So when you get the thyroids back up and running, you take control of your own decision-making process. And that's what Casey wanted to do. He wanted to help people get to a point where they didn't have to have somebody else tell them what to do, how to think, and where you know, decision-making should be outside the body. No, it's, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself. If, if your thyroids are running, you don't need somebody else to tell you what to do. All right. Well, one, one of the popular methods in the naturopathic books was to check your morning temperature first thing, right? Basal temperature. Basal temperature in the morning. If you're below 98.6, you're probably not getting enough. 
Yeah, you, you take a mercury thermometer, which you can still get in Mexico, but you can't get them in the U.S. anymore. <clears throat> I mean, you can get them in the, from the mail from Mexico. Put it under your left armpit, right? Uh, when you wake up, they call it resting temperature because you're not supposed to really be moving around or doing anything because that changes the blood flow and the temperature along with it. So you put it under your left armpit for, you know, a couple, three minutes. And then, you know, you write that down, what it is. And then you do that like three days in a row. And it'll give you sort of an average of where you are temperature-wise, the basal temperature, they call it. And um, as you get the thyroids back up and running again, then the temperature should come back to where it's supposed to be. You know, uh, for some people, actually, they have... Uh, I got a call the other day. Well, what about hypothyroid? And uh, you know, that's that that means it's it's moving too fast, right? Mm -hmm. Most about 95% or more people, you know, have hypo, which is low. But there's a few people that you know it's too much. Well, really, what you want to do is bring it back into the range of the norm. So uh, they call it homeostasis, right? Where you're in the middle. And that's where you want to be with, you know, the glandular functions. You don't want to be too far this way or that way. All right. Well, so how does this uh, detoxified iodine relate to that? Well, because the thyroids, sorry. Yeah, the thyroids are at the center of the whole endocrine process, right? So as they come back to the norm where they're supposed to be in the center and they're working again, because the thyroid uh, are stimulated by the iodine, right? And the iodine also protects the thyroids from radiation, which is why everybody has low thyroid because there's too much radiation. Mm -hmm. so, now, this, so this question then, the um, Hashimoto's and the Graves disease, people with autoimmune disease of the thyroid itself, Right. Uh, there's a lot of uh, talk about don't be taking iodine because you're going to, in fact, force your iodine to destroy itself in the process. Right. Do you know much about that? Yeah, both of those are uh, thyroid deficiency disorders, you know, directly related to the thyroids. So you would, you would suggest that they take this detoxified iodine anyway without... Uh, without fear of causing further damage? Yeah, yeah, if you, you, know, you know, once it's detoxified, you don't have to worry about, you know, the poisonous effects of iodine because iodine is a halogen, right? There's four of them in the periodic chart, iodine, bromine, chlorine, fluorine. The higher you go on the chart, the more caustic they are. Mm -hmm. They're all poisons, and but iodine, the least poisonous, but it's also the only one out of the four that the body absolutely needs. Mm -hmm. Every cell of the body actually needs a tiny amount of iodine in order to be able to function normally. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the, speaking of Hashimoto's, if you look at the Japanese, you know, they had a nuclear power plant meltdown, right? Yep. 80 miles from Tokyo. Yep. Now, the prevailing winds are going out to the ocean, so thank goodness for that. <clears throat> right. But the Japanese 
eat seafood three times a day. It's just part of their diet. It's a big part of their diet. And iodine bonds with living things in the ocean. So they were actually pretty well protected from radiation because they have so much naturally occurring iodine in their diet, you know, and that's, uh, that's why they, up until once again, you know, maybe a few decades ago, it was like the healthiest culture on the planet. And then they started eating Western diet and doing all this nuclear crap and stuff. So, you know, now they're sort of like, they're, they're headed back down to where we are. Hmm. But, so if you, know, you because they ate so much uh, seafood, they got the iodine, the thyroid's function, the rest of the glandular system was balanced. And if you look at the Japanese culture, it's like, you know, very uh, productive. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess some, I read some studies where the Japanese uh, were evaluated for how much iodine they're getting with all the seaweed that they consume on average. And it was somewhere around 10,000 micrograms a day compared to the 150 micrograms of recommended dosage in America. Right? Yeah, so I mean, you can live next to a, a melt, melt uh, when a nuclear power plant melts down, you better be eating that much seaweed every day. <laughs> All right, fine advice. Okay. Um, so um, some products are recommending potassium iodide, KI, right? Yeah. Like the Lugos is the regular iodine, the I2 mixed with the KI, which is totally different from the atomic iodine, right? Uh, iodine is iodine. You know, uh, potassium is another element. And... Uh, when you bond iodine and potassium, which they call salt, right, then it becomes water soluble. Right. Now the premise, and Lugol has been the standard for the last century, right? <clears throat> this, uh, and everybody, you know, once they, uh, you know, a century ago when they started looking at this stuff, they, uh, they realized that, you know, Everybody that was dealing with goiter and stuff like that, they needed iodine in their diet. Well, that's true. And so they started iodizing salt actually during the Great Depression. Yep. And um, then they sort of said, well, we fixed that. Let's move on to what's next. You know, well, actually, there, there's a lot more to it than goiter. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a, you know, we get to a point where we realize partially what's going on, and then we think we've got it all figured out. There's, uh, there's a lot more to, uh, you know, understanding. Well, and it, getting back to the potassium thing, uh, Casey mentions potassium, but he doesn't say you have to have potassium and iodine together. In fact, he says you don't need anything else with iodine. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, you need silica or some other something or other, so the bond, so it does this or that. It's not, none of that's true, according to Casey anyway. And I'm a Casey person, so that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, potassium is an important element. And uh, if you bond it with uh, iodine, it's water soluble. So the premise was, well, the body's three quarters water, right? So in order to get the iodine into the body in a way that the body can utilize it, it we'll make it water soluble and then the body will be able to uptake it. Yeah. That's a 
It sounds perfectly reasonable. Okay. Would you say there's... The medical community still believes that to this day, but it's not true. Well, would you say that there's an advantage to using the atomic or detoxified iodine over the potassium iodide? Oh, yeah, yeah, because once it's in that form, it's not a poison anymore. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, know, call it, let's call it advantage. If you want to take potassium, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to take iodine, but don't, don't get... Don't buy into this, oh, you need both, because okay. the body doesn't utilize it because it's in, uh, water soluble. The, the body utilizes it because it's detoxified. Mm -hmm. And so, so your manufacturing process, you do that yourself? Yeah. Okay. So any, anything you care to share, brag about? or it's, it's not really that complicated, you know, uh, for about a half a century, the people in Virginia Beach were putting potassium iodine in, in a, a bottle and calling it atomidine. And, and, and you know, there were other people that were, any, uh, actually the, the people that really screwed it up were, they were, they were selling iodine trichloride, which is, is still, they, they sell in Virginia Beach, you know? I mean, I try, I talked to everybody and I said, look, you know, Iodine trichloride is one iodine molecule bonded with three chlorine molecules, right? Well, chlorine is like way high on, uh, you know, the caustic scale. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how you kill people is with chlorine. And so if you bond chlorine and iodine together, iodine trichloride, right? Yeah. Then you get um, a pretty deadly poison, but it's water soluble. It's another one of those things, that, you know, where, you know, it breaks it down. So in order to save the, uh, the expense of the alcohol, which is way more expensive than water, they sold iodine trichloride to the Casey membership for like 50 years. And they still do to this day, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. And they poisoned them all. They poisoned everybody. Everybody eventually got around to thinking they needed to try this stuff because Casey talks about it. There's more than 4,400 occurrences of the term atomidine in the Casey readings. I mean, he just didn't stop talking. He talked about it continuously for years and years. And so everybody thinks, well, I better do that. And then they buy this iodine trichloride and they poison themselves. And then they, because that's not what Casey was talking about. They never saved the money. They just, they poisoned everybody. And now the, and now the, the Casey organization is pretty much defunct. And largely due to the fact that they poisoned everybody. Well, okay, let's not be recommending things that are not worth doing. So, so Phil, as far as this uh, detoxified iodine goes, um, would you say that people should be taking it every day, all the time, or just Monday through Friday, as you outlined in the first first dose? Or what's what's your take on that? I tell people is put uh, four or five drops in a half ounce of water and use it as a rinse and a gargle for like 10 seconds. Every day. What it does is it kills a lot of bacteria down below the gum line, which is one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself because the teeth are the grand central station for the whole energy body, right? Everything is connected to the teeth. Mm. But when you kill the bacteria, not only do you stop going to the dentist anymore, because that's where most of the problems come from, is bacteria, right? But um, then you've got a clear channel, a connection with the energy body coming back to the teeth, 
And, uh, you know, it's still important to brush your teeth and floss and do all that stuff. But, um, you know, uh, you get a small amount into the system when you do that. And if the thyroids are already up and running, which might take a while, it depends on the situation, then, you know, a small amount in the system is enough to keep the body running because the thyroids are, don't need large amounts of iodine. They just need enough in a form that the body can recognize so that we can deal on a daily basis with the amount of radiation exposure. All right. So four or five drops and a half ounce of water, rinse and garbage. You can do that a couple of times a day. You know what else it does? It knocks down any virus that you might happen to be picking up. If you go out and you're, you know, in society, which most of us are pretty much every day, right? Mm -hmm. How are you going to avoid the virus? You cannot. It's everywhere. And there's going to be other viruses that come too, you know. This stuff might be mild compared to what's, what the future holds. We don't know. So protect yourself and be ready because you're not going to be able to change the world. The only thing we can really do is get the body to the point where it can deal with what's coming at it. Great. Thank you, Phil. This is Martin at Life Enthusiast. And you can reach us at www life-enthusiast.com or on the phone at 866-543-3388. Thank you.